Welcome to this week's EG Like Sunday Morning, in which I'm delighted to be joined by two of the finest news gatherers in all of real estate, news editor Pui Guan Man and offices reporter Shante Bahitike. Welcome to you both. Uh, how have you been this week? Been good. It's been good. Yeah, yeah really well, thank you. Been busy, but in a good way. Uh, Pui, you've been you've been on the early morning shift. So, how have you been enjoying those fourteen-hour working days? I, I have. Um, it's been it's been quite something. <laughs> yeah. So, apologies if I sound slightly delirious or or like I'm I'm running on on fumes. But um, but yeah, it's great. I honestly I. Uh, like massive sort of hats off to peers, um, our normal morning shift writer who does this day in, day out. Um, and it is uh, honestly testament to his incredible talent, um, honestly. Uh, yes. Uh, so this week we uh, are going to be tackling uh, some major news that you both have for two important areas of London uh, to, to try and bring it together in, in some kind of theme. Uh, Shante, I'm going to start with you because... Uh, I have a little bit of a vested interest in what you've been writing about because I spent 15 years romping around the Royal Courts of Justice. So I obviously <laughs> feel that I know Fleet Street pretty well, but uh, it sounds like that might change a bit over the next five years. So so what can you tell me about this £5 billion transformation that's coming to Fleet Street? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Fleet Street's kind of the, just the sort of front of a lot of um, investment that's going to be coming up over the next few years. So um, I was lucky enough to go to a roundtable discussion um, with some of the team who are sort of developing um, and investing in the Fleet Street kind of quarter. Um, and we discussed then the Fleet Street bids new report uh, that they've got coming out where they're sort of looking into um, 34 new and refurbished schemes that are going to provide around 3 million square foot of grade A office space, retail and leisure space in the area. So um, there are quite a few kind of high profile projects that are underway in the area. So got things like um, River Court, uh, 120 Fleet Street, that's the former Daily Express building. Um, and then we've got the Foreman Golden Goldman Sachs headquarters as well at Peterborough Court um, and then yes a few other sort of bigger schemes that are in the pipeline uh, with the City of Corporation City of London Corporation's plans to create uh, a new justice quarter at Salisbury Square so um, there's a few few different things in the pipeline there that are all very exciting um, but a lot of redevelopment happening at once so all of these sort of developers and investors have come together uh, as part of the bid to sort of um, in a coalition to discuss what they're going to do with the area. So they're all trying to work together to create uh, a really rejuvenated space. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the next few years with the space and occupiers are already interested. There are people looking to take the space and a lot of the buildings haven't even uh, begun construction yet and redevelopment so we're, we are talking quite far ahead uh for the when the space is going to be ready uh, a justice quarter sounds right up my street i was like, about uh, to say yeah. it sounds I mean, pretty badass but yeah. it also sounds like something a little bit out of judge dread if you can, you can imagine <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah yeah were, were there any other details about what what the justice quarter might might involve well, it was really interesting, actually, because um, Eric Parry from Eric Parry Architects was there and he was sort of talking about all the planning that has to go into building 
like you know courts and justice mm. buildings and thinking about how everything has to be separate from one another because the jurors can't be you know in the same space that you know defendants or whoever else is going to be there so you have to and everything has to be reinforced and you've got to have so they were saying considering the space that that is actually there it's very difficult planning wise to figure out how you're going to fit everything into that one small space because you do need quite a significant um a significant area to be able to create yeah to create appropriately so yeah they said they had to kind of throw out the rule book and start again with this one to try and figure out how they're going to piece the bits of the puzzle together to make it work if they're listening uh, i'm sure they will be uh, <laughs> I, I would would want to point out the single most important thing they have to get right uh, in any new court style development is to actually think of the journalist and it's amazing how often this doesn't happen so think of the journalists, give them somewhere where they can actually ply their trade. That would be my top tip. To, That's great uh, advice. <laughs> Interesting. Just to be me there, is it normally you're sort of in the gallery area as a journalist? Uh, so like in the old, have... ye olde traditional court <laughs> rooms, we, 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 had, we, we had dedicated space and we were always well located, but quite often, so when they, um, when they built the new business and property courts, uh, which are not a million miles away from Fleet Street, and they didn't really think of media provision. So it was very difficult to get to the seats and you're kind of lumped in with the with the public and you have to sort of fight your way in and out. So it wasn't really thought of. Um, and there was no, no dedicated press area. So you, you couldn't sort of go and sit in, a, in, a, in an area with, with Wi-Fi and, and stuff like that. So they never thought of it. So Justice Quarter, uh, we're... we're we're a vital part of the the entire justice process. So think of us. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's my that's me off my off my <laughs> soapbox. Um, and from Fleet Street, uh, we turn our attention to Croydon. Uh, and if he's listening, and I'm sure he is as well, I very much hope he is. Uh, our dearly departed Damien Wilde's ears just pricked up at its very mention. <laughs> Croydon is near and dear to his heart. So Pui, uh, talk to us uh, about. Uh, What's going on in Croydon? Yes. Um, so Hammerson has finally called time on the huge redevelopment that it was going to be doing in Croydon uh, with its joint venture partner, uh, Unibal Rodamco Westfield. And it has sold its 50% stake. Uh, you could say finally. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time coming. Um, planning approvals for this site have come and gone, uh, most certainly predating my time at EG. Um, crucial anchor tenants have, have come and gone. Uh, so the writing's been on the wall for, for a long while. In fact, I think it was um, three years ago in, in 2020 when I noticed that URW had quietly shuffled Croydon off of its development uh, pipeline. And that was a year before planning permission for a big uh, Westfield shopping centre uh, there had collapsed. So, um, Yes, it's been a tricky time and, uh, you know, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. But um, on Hammerson's side of things, uh, a sale is no doubt going to be helping in its defence um, against its biggest stakeholder, uh, Lighthouse. So Lighthouse is um, the uh, Hammerson's former director, uh, Des, Des De Beer, um, his investment vehicle is Lighthouse. Um, so this 
uh, he, he's been putting a lot of pressure on Hammerson and one of its uh, criticisms is that it needs to speed up uh, its disposal strategy. So this latest sale is going to be uh, a nice point in, in Hammerson's um, uh, favour ahead of next week's uh, crucial AGM where Lighthouse has said it's going to vote against at least two non-executive uh, non uh, director re-elections. Um, and um, yeah, so so I guess um, all of this is going to be uh, another, yeah, strengthening uh, Hammerson's defence, I think, ahead yeah. of that. That that could be a, another another story to watch next week. It, it, well, like it could be a, a potentially interesting AGM. Yes, exactly. And well, I mean, not just that, but also an interesting story to see, you know, whether or not Unibal um, actually has <laughs> that ability to, to deliver um, the project. I mean, we'll have to wait and see on that front because... It, it is still chipping away at its disposal strategy, which is it's trying to sort of deleverage at the moment, but it still has a pretty substantive debt pile. Um, you know, I think that's more than it stood at more than 20 billion euros at its year end. Um, and it's going to take a lot to finance a, a huge regeneration project like this. I mean, there's there's two beleaguered shopping centres in there, Central and uh, Whitgift. Um, as well as office blocks, there's car parks, uh, there's high street retail frontage. I mean, this is a 25 acre uh, project <laughs> that we're, we're talking about. But it does, you know, it does seem to be committed to making this regeneration work. And, and, and it's, you know, going to draw up a new master plan this year. So, yeah, all eyes on, on well, both the AGM next week on Hammerson's end and on Unibail's end, uh, this this project. <laughs> uh 20 billion euros, Pui, that's, that's more than you earn in a year. <laughs> Only slightly more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our fearless leader, Sam McClary, uh, wrote uh, this week describing that um, the, the, this this backstory as the, the worst, most wasteful and she'd wager, most expensive property partnership of recent decades. Uh, does that sound uh, sound like something you'd, you'd echo? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has dragged on for, I mean, I think the developers had first formed this uh, joint venture in 2012 or 2013, around wow. that time. Um, it's, it's a solid solid 10 years, and that excludes all the previous, um, you know, shenanigans around what's going to be happening around this site. So um, I'm sure that the community uh, in, in Croydon, and, and well, no doubt also our former editor, is going to be, you know, has had strong feelings um, about this uh, site for a very long time. And I guess also you've got a feel for the um, the traders at uh, the shopping centres in question. You know, they've been, they've really been, um, yeah, it's been a lot of uncertainty for them. So, so yeah, I don't know. Um, it sounds a bit like the UK in microcosm. There was there was such <laughs> such brightness and optimism in 2012, and it, it's all just gone a little bit downhill from there. Is that, yeah, I guess. Is so. that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, you could you could see it that way. <laughs> uh, but as as Sam goes on to say, uh, this this should it could be seen as a, a, a real opportunity for a fresh start uh, and a, a chance to to actually bring that transformation uh, to Croydon. Yes. Well, here's hoping. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't, I, you know, I'm. I don't really know much about Croydon personally. Past it's, um, I, I hear there's an excellent tram system there. Um, but maybe, um, you know, it will be on the. Uh, you know, it's its chance to kind of get it back on the map, really, isn't it? So yes, 
Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, fingers crossed. Um, now, this episode of EG Like Sunday Morning is coming to you or on a long weekend with a bank holiday tomorrow. And, but I imagine for, for dedicated scoop hunters like yourselves, it must be very frustrating to have a, a forced day off uh, in, in which you're, you're, you're prevented from pounding those streets <laughs> and, and nailing down those stories. But, but once you have got over that disappointment, uh, how, how will you be each be spending your bank holiday? Well, I guess after my morning shifts of the past few weeks, I'll probably be asleep. Asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty great. Nice, nice relaxing weekend. Yeah. Nice bank holiday just at home. Chilling relaxing. out. Yeah. Preparing, preparing for, for, for all those scoops you're going to find on Tuesday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, of course, since we have Shantae on, uh, we're not going <laughs> to let the opportunity pass us by uh, to add another track to the developing, evolving, EG Like Sunday Morning certified bangers playlist uh, as curated <laughs> by DJ Shantae uh, and, Gra- and Grandmaster Burke. Uh, so, uh, Shantae, well, what's it going to be for some uh, bank holiday listening? Ooh, some bank holiday listening. Well, I feel like if we're going for relaxed, we're going for a relaxing bank holiday. So I, yeah, a bit of a chill out, bit, bit, bit calmer. So I think the good ones probably Stormzy's "This Is What I Mean" album from the end of last year. Okay. But I would go with "Fire and Water" specifically as a starting point for a track. I think that's that's a pretty good bank holiday banger. Okay, fantastic. Uh, many thanks to you both. Uh, do be sure to give that playlist a spin on Spotify. It's not very long at the moment, so you'll have to put it on repeat uh, <laughs> to get you through the long weekend. Uh, but it will build uh, in future episodes as Tim and Shante appear. Bree's looking puzzled. She's not heard of it. <laughs> Can't believe they haven't mentioned it to you, Bree. Maybe maybe we'll let you in on it. I'm, I'm not cool to... enough. No, I'm, I'm probably not cool enough for this. <laughs> Uh, But yes, uh, so give that a listen uh, and we'll be back soon uh, with another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning.